Hello, this episode of LODCAST focuses on legal self-service. What do we mean by it? What's the history, its advantages, common missteps, and where to start? So to help us understand, we're joined by Alex Fellows and Mark Reynolds. Alex is a legal delivery manager at LED, currently working for a leading global tech company. Alex's perspective and insight comes from an on-the-ground lived experience, managing legal self-service tools on a daily basis. Mark Reynolds is an associate director at Psych, our legal technology business. He's a leading expert in the field with experience from Thomson Reuters, Allens, King & Wood Mallisons, and Clifford Chance. This podcast is brought to you by LOD. We help legal leaders build teams their businesses love. Strategic, responsive, and ready for anything. You can find out more about LED by going to lodlaw.com. And a final note before we start, just to let you know, there is a bonus question at the end after the music. So stay tuned later on for some extra insight. So without any further ado, let's get on with it. Uh, let's start with a definition of what we mean uh, by legal self-service. Mark, did you want to kick us off? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much. So look, I think the first thing is another phrase to add to this because that legal self-service piece is the ability for a legal department to be able to bring in requests from their business um, and to be able to deal with those. There's a bit that pins onto the back of that, which is the triage bit, because, you know, when that request comes in, it's got to go to the right person or it's got to go to the right team. So it's going to be different for different businesses, depending on how they're structured in terms of their business areas, but also their legal teams. You know, I certainly working with a client at the moment where their, their lawyers aren't traditionally structured by legal areas of expertise. They're placed into areas of the business where um, they become an expert across all areas of law for that particular business area. So again, you know, when you triage, there's a lot of thought to put into that, but fundamentally getting that request in and then being able to understand the requests you're getting in and being able to direct them in the right place. And we'll, we'll touch on some things a little bit a little bit further down the line in terms of some of the benefits sort of understanding what you're doing actually brings in. But, you know, maybe directing someone to a piece of knowledge, maybe a simple GDPR policy or something like that, or maybe even creating standard simple documents where there's sort of high frequency and low risk and uh, that ability for lawyers to then focus on the things that are really important to them. Yeah, great. And so when people talk about, um, I've heard the term legal front door, for example, or in legal intake uh, portals, these are all types of legal self-service? Yeah, and they actually go to different extents. And, and, you know, often you have to understand what people mean when they ask for a legal front door or legal self-serve, because some people just want to be able to bring the request in and then be able to triage that and direct an answer back to the actual lawyer or the actual business user or give them the ability to be able to create something. But, you know, people want to go to different depths in terms of that intake piece and how far do they take it. You know, some people don't want the business to generate contracts or documents at all. Some are a bit more trusting. Some you might, I think, sometimes are maybe over-trusting. <laughs> okay, <laughs> excellent. And so, Alex, um, bringing you in now, let's think, what, what's the history of self-service? Because obviously it hasn't been around forever. It's, it's relatively recent. Um, what do you think the kind of potted history of it is? Yeah, of course. I think it would have probably started with self-serve tools that don't necessarily generate contracts, the things that Mark was talking about, so such as like a an FAQ site for the business users to review and it would tell them what agreements to use, which processes to follow and that sort of stuff. They can get, you know, maybe more sophisticated by adding maybe interactive trainings, um, more sophisticated playbooks and video, um, video trainings, that sort of stuff. 
But I think it would then, it then sort of started moving on to contract automation tools that will help generate the right contracts for business users. So earlier versions would have just had a list of contracts to choose from where the business user could select the appropriate contract they wanted to enter into. So like an NDA or a statement of work, and then just add the relevant information like counterparty name, um, address, value of the contract, if that's applicable. Um, and then the contract will be generated for them. But increasingly what we've been seeing is a lot more um, contract automation tools have like an accompanying risk assessment tool to which would then essentially determine which contract is needed to be used um, without the business user needing to know that themselves and whether the agreement should actually be self-served or not. So for example, like, I mean, a risk assessment tool would really just ask questions about the agreement to ascertain what's actually, what's high risk and high value um, and thereby necessary for the legal team to actually review or you know whether stuff's you know low risk or low value and could be processed via self-service tool so like an example of this that we've seen one of our larger clients uses quite a sophisticated version of this um it has a triage system whereby anything marked as low or medium risk by the risk assessment tool doesn't actually even reach the queue of matters that need to be looked at by legal um and there's also varying degrees of high risk matters as well that would go to different groups of lawyers. So um, an example of this would be like a statement of work that would be in theory high risk because it would have PII involved or something similar, but as they're actually low value um, or they receive quite a lot of them, uh, they can actually be dealt with by junior legal resource or outsourced to other legal teams. And the whole sort of self-serve section of that risk assessment tool can direct them, can direct the contract to the relevant um, relevant legal department. Great, and that's that's quite a progress uh, of of I guess maturity from from a basic FAQ site to now automations with uh, with risk triaging, uh, and that brings us neatly up to date. So thank you for that uh, history, Alex. So in 2021, we uh, did our global survey report, and from that report, speaking to hundreds of of general counsels around the world and legal professionals, we saw that there's been a roughly a 35 percent increase in the amount of usage of legal self service. Uh, now, I suspect some of this is pandemic-inspired and some of it might generally be technology-inspired. I'm wondering, um, Mark, first, and then Alex, what do you think underpins this growth? I guess just to add to your question there, yes, it is pandemic-driven, but I think, you know, I think in the first week of the pandemic, the, the chief executive of IBM was on Newsnight and she, they, were, they were talking about technology and what was going to happen. And, she's, and her view has been uh, iterated several times since by loads of people. But the point is that the pandemic accelerated what was happening already. So, you know, legal intake was happening before the pandemic. I mean, we identified it um, at high Q as a sort of use case, I think, somewhere around 2016. So it, the pandemic has really started to accelerate. So that's partly 35% growth is people sort of knew it existed and, it, you know, it was there. Um, maybe not as sophisticated as it's become over the last year, but it's been accelerated as well. But I think, you know, the big thing is that, you know, we've lost the water cooler in the desk corner, you know, that ability to go and get that information very quickly in that office situation. Um, so it's starting to replace that kind of sort of digital nervous system that people had in an organization where they could go and talk and engage with each other. So because people are remote, they still need to get to that information quickly. So it's creating systems that make that data, that information flow much more quickly and make the flow of, of documents and information much more quickly as well. Um, so I think that's part of, part of the growth as well. I think, you know, the ongoing 
challenges for legal teams, which again have been omnipresent as well. I mean, you know, there's constant pressure from shareholders and venture capitalists and all those people to try and get more bang for their buck, to try and get people in their business to do more work um, or the same work you know, for less cost fundamentally or less cost per unit. So again, that ability to get people, you know, to be able to sort of commoditize some of that stuff, which is clearly commoditizable and and lawyers have been quite slow to admit that as well. So I think that's the other part. And then the, the, the first part is that, you know, when people then start asking for money to invest in technology to deliver legal services, that then starts to create an iterative circle where suddenly you have to prove, you have to explain what you're going to do. You then have to prove that what you said you were going to do has created value. And then it's back to then doing more and more and more. So you've got this circle where you're going around and, you know, you're asking for a bit, bit more, bit more money to be able to do new things and improve that service. So I think, you know, sort of been on the wheel before the pandemic but that wheel is continuing to turn and will start to turn even faster i think as we go beyond the the restrictions that maybe we're faced at the moment fantastic so the the um i mean we I think we've often talked about the pandemic being a an accelerator for a lot of things mm-hmm. and an enabler and i think that's um that's exactly right and so alex what's your view on on the kind of the growth of legal self-service yeah, I mean, really just adding to what Mark said, I mean, really, unfortunately, the pandemic sort of required legal teams to operate in a much more lean structure. So a lot of a lot of people, well, our legal teams are just a lot smaller than what they were. And as Mark was saying, you need more bang for your buck. And the way to do that is really understanding what's important for your legal team and what they should be focusing on. And mm-hmm. this sort of, um, I guess, the legal triage side and the self-serve would allow you to really help understand what your team is receiving what they should be focusing on mm-hmm. and what can be either outsourced um, to legal service providers or dealt with by junior resource or just done entirely autonomously by the business uh, stakeholders so i think you know it's just that that increasing drive to work more more effectively more efficiently that the pandemic is trying to uh, push on everybody the real reason as to why this you know self-service is uh, getting bigger and bigger Thank you, and I, I know um, you're both based in the in in the UK, but uh, I just wanted to say that the the growth we're seeing is truly global. We're seeing it across Asia Pacific, where I'm based, and also the Middle East. Uh, when we did the survey, that's certainly what we see. But also when we speak to clients down here, um, legal self service is certainly usually uh, top of top of mind. Um, which leads us to why why would we do it? So what are the advantages? I think we've hinted at some of it sending right work to the right people, obviously managing and optimising costs seems to be part of it. But, um, Alex, why don't you you go first and tell us what do you think are some of the the key advantages of legal self-service? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, when when it's used correctly, which I think it may not always be, when it's used correctly, really can streamline uh, workflow and communication processes between not just the in-house team and their internal clients, but also external law firms as well. As I said, with the pandemic sort of forcing uh, a lot of companies to make leaner legal teams and potentially start outsourcing, that's a real key driver as to, you know, to working more effectively with these external law firms. I think as well, it, it, it really helps save time for everyone in the business, not just the legal team. I think mm. if you're working on a, working with a process whereby, say, you automate NDAs, for example, it removes the the need to get it reviewed by your in-house legal team. You can just click a button, get your NDA and get moving, which I think uh, is obviously a, a real key um, a key factor as to why this is sort of growing. Um, I mean, 
it really allows you to optimize optimize the resources you have available. So again, as I spoke about before with the junior resources, for example, making sure that you're giving the right work down to them or the outsourced legal teams, you know, making sure that your head of legal isn't working on an NDA at midnight, which is exactly what some of our clients <laughs> are doing. Um, as well, I think there's a, there's a part about reducing risk. So if you can factor in that risk assessment tool that we, were spoke, we spoke about earlier, it really allows you to understand um, as well as the legal team to understand, it really helps the business uh, stakeholders understand what's risky, how they can mitigate the risk themselves. Um, and yeah, really with um, strong templates underpinning the self-service tools, it, it really can just empower the business to get stuff moving without needing the legal team's involvement. I think really, really importantly for me, and certainly the work that we're doing with the clients, it really it brings in a lot of data. Um, certainly if you start using things like legal front doors, it allows you to understand what is coming into your team so you can again sort of align your business strategy to that not just necessarily for your legal department for the, for the wider business as well understanding where you're not just your legal team but your whole business is going and how the legal team can help drive that you know the data underpinning that is really really important and, and these self-service tools allow you to get that so um as i said in my opinion that's a very very important part to this process great so Speed of business is something that uh, I heard you say the the data is very helpful, especially for, for future optimization as well, and then risk assessment. Um, Mark, what's your um, experience on the advantages, the actual real advantages that clients see? Yeah, so I think Alex set out the, I guess, the business and the process part really well, and we're, we're certainly seeing that across um global mining companies, global financial services institutions, um, even some sort of quite kooky businesses like, you know, sort of organic uh, baby food, organic vegan baby food type businesses, which are, you know, quite cool, but still have <laughs> similar challenges. Um, but I think the other thing is the people element across the business. I mean, I think, you know, I went to law school and when I, uh, when I was at law school, I imagined myself sitting in a you know big corner office with a hardwood desk, and then I, I I was put into a room which was twice the size of that office I ever imagined, but it was full of cardboard boxes of paper, and I had to go and find the interesting document. Um, so, um, it's moving a lot of it is in, in the people terms is moving those lawyers away from those sort of low level manual tasks which aren't actually challenging and actually they never wanted to do in the first place um and getting them to be able to focus on the big picture stuff the bits which are you know not necessarily cost the business it could be but the higher value higher risk higher higher importance work for the business because you know they can sit down and they can concentrate on a piece of work for two hours instead of having to deal with sort of six minute queries in between so the people element is really important i think lawyers lawyers traditionally have been quite slow to adopt to this type of commoditized approach but i think as they start to see that it the the value of that and how they can do the more interesting things and the things that they really wanted to do in the first place they're starting to engage with more. And again, just to add to Alex's point, what's really important here is that, firstly, it's starting to understand what you're doing now. It's having the metrics, how's a team utilized, um, what's the work coming in. So understanding all of that information. But then that starts to build a bank of data historically, which means you can understand where you've been. And I think, you know, if you know where you're coming from, then you know where you can go to, because then that gives you the information to make really good decisions going forward. And this is a journey, right? It's not a destination. You're going to keep changing. You're not going to stand still on what you did on day one. So that information that you gather 
at that point from you know automating that intake if we know we're getting lots of queries in a particular area and the lawyers are dealing with it then it's can we can we automate the response in some way so that's the the real value here i think great thank you both and because i was that that kid in class who always took notes i like to summarize at the end so i think the advantages are obviously the, the data is a big piece um people so freeing up your people to do the more interesting strategic stuff uh, it's the speed of business, so velocity of contracts, things like that, uh, and then it's the risk risk part. So I think everyone can understand those four things uh, in combination. If you can move the dial on those, that's that's fantastic. Um, to to take, I guess, uh, to let's move to be a, a little more skeptical now. So we've talked about the advantages, obviously. Uh, like all technology approaches, like all technology processes, there's going to be some missteps, which are fairly common. Um, why don't we just spend a bit of time um, talking, mainly for the benefit, so people can understand what do people need to think about or be cognizant of when doing projects, because there are always going to be missteps. So, so what should they be looking out for? Um, uh, Mark, did you want to start? Yeah, absolutely. Um, look, the first part is is, is planning and understanding, um, and it, within that is also overcoming the inertia as well. Um, I heard that high, uh, someone uh, commented externally that the high Q we were a sort of move fast, break things type organization. I must say it never felt like that. You know, we were moving fast and we were developing quickly, but we didn't break things. I mean, everything kept working. We just kept building more and more stuff on there. Right. legal departments a bit harder for them to move fast and break things so starting simply is a really good way to do that so first of all understanding the bigger problem and perhaps where you want to be in two to three years time but then saying well you know how are we going to get there we're not going to try and do it all on day one because we'll never actually deliver anything so let's go and pick off those that low-hanging fruit so the mistake sometimes is Sometimes it's in a lawyer's mentality to seek perfection um, and perfection will never, ever be achieved because as soon as you built it, there's a new perfection around the corner, isn't there? Um, <laughs> the other part then is, is thinking about it as part of a larger sort of legal hub type approach because once you start to get your legal front door, your intake going and you've got that triage piece going, then there are other pieces which spin out of that. So things like, you know, how are we going to manage the matters? How do we going to get that CLM process going? How are we going to do our corporate housekeeping within that? And many other things as well. I mean, for a large supermarket, their, um, their IQ system now involves the ability to instruct third-party contractors who um, – repair or upgrade the taps in their stores or do physical maintenance because there's a contractual component to it. So, you know, having the plan to know where you're going to go to, but also when you've got more information or something comes along which fits maybe at a slightly tangential basis, but being able to embrace those bits and saying, actually, yes, you know, there's there's value from this. So, yeah, you know, knowing where, you, know, knowing where you're going, but not trying to do it all at once. Great. Thanks. Thanks, Mark. Uh, and Alex, what's your view on some of the common missteps that can happen? Yeah, so I, I was trying to think of, you know, so some of, some of the clients that have come to us to try and help out with their um, self-serve side of things, whether they gave it a go and it's not quite worked as effectively as they'd hoped, I really think a real key driver of that was the change management that was put in place. Mm. So, I mean, it really can be quite a big change for some legal teams to move over to a self-serve model if there was nothing there before. And you really don't want to come across 
as trying to distance yourself from your stakeholders, which can really seem like you're doing that if you're directing them to automated tools where they would have gone to an actual person before. So I think it's just really important to bring the bring the business on the journey with you to really help them understand the reason why you're implementing these changes. And it's not to create a barrier to legal, but to really empower them to contract without any other blockers or to get their contracts faster. And also allows them to, you know, allows the legal team to understand to talk on what's strategically important, which is something that most stakeholders should ultimately understand with the right coercing, right? So I think it's just, as I said, it's important to help them understand, um, well, it's important for the legal team really to understand what the what's important to the end users of the tool. So, I mean, you want to make sure you're focusing on limited legal jargon, you want an easy to use interface, it needs to be consistent, reliable, all those sort of things. Um, and it's really important to make sure that the business are, are trained on it effectively and the system is maintained. You know, it's not just a, here's a tool, go run with it. We never want to see an NDA again. It really is, um, it, it's iterative. And I think it's just really important to make sure that the change management side is really considered um, and uh, and factored into the implementation. Fantastic. I th- thank you both for those, those um, outlining those missteps. Um, I think the change management piece is certainly vital. Um, we recently had a roundtable with a, a few GCs in Perth, and I think you know one of the client, one of the GCs there, they had spent a lot of time and effort in, in building a fantastic legal self service tool, and then the business just weren't using it. There was a, a problem with uh, embedding it in not the legal team but the the wider team. So um, behavioural change is, is always challenging, and that's not limited to uh, just legal self service tools. Um, yeah, I was, was going to say just just to add to that. Um, <clears throat> I mean, we know that by nature we are um, selfish beings. Um, so, what's in it for me is always always the, the the component there. So, again, you know, if the users think they're getting something better or something easier, you know, is there something in it for them? Um, that's the thing you need to convince them of, because then you'll 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 bring them with you. I think there's something. Surely there's a pun somewhere about self self service tools and and your being self serving. I don't know. Someone smarter than me can come up with that. Uh, okay. So the final question I had was, um, let's let's imagine that that we're uh, or we're a GC or a head of legal and we want to actually we decided we'd like to take the first steps in 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 building a, a legal self service uh, function or, or, or portal. Where where's the best place to start? Because obviously there's a, a lot of bits to it. And you don't want to boil the ocean, um, Alex. Do you want to just kick us off? Yeah, for sure. I think where we've started before is really trying to understand what the legal department are currently working on holistically, which sounds like a really simple step, but can actually be really hard to pin down what it is exactly that the team do on you know week on week basis. Um, without, I mean, in a law firm, typically you'd have like a time recording software to understand where your time's being spent. But in-house departments, uh, I mean, a big reason why people want to go in-house is they haven't got to deal with the time recording software right um so i mean one way to understand what they would be what you are working on would be to undergo like a research phase um into the frequency and type of questions that you're being asked over time um often i guess you'd be surprised or a lot of teams would be really surprised to learn that the most common questions they get really fall under the same category and have the same kind of answers and then can be pushed through in these sort of automated tools and i think once you've understood what the trends are and what it is your team's working on you really want to understand what it is you want your team to be focusing on. So what are the high-risk strategic matters that will shape the future of your uh, business and legal team? Because uh, these are the types of requests that you know, you, know you, you want your team to be working on. You want to make sure your senior team members are spending time on 
the strategic side of things and the churny BAE requests like NDAs are either outsourced or, or dealt with by a junior legal resource. So I think once you've established what your low value, low risk contracts are, they're a really good place to start for the to try and get automated tools um, implemented with a view then to expand them um, or expand the offering over time. So you need to do a bit of design thinking about what you want your self-serve system to look like, um, which is often really obviously closely coupled with the amount of time and, and or resources you're able to dedicate to getting this off the ground. So like a, a minimum vial product, for example, uh, we did one of our clients is really just they wanted to automate NDAs because they were getting loads of them and they really just wanted them uh, <laughs> not to look at them because it's all very standard and it was wasting a lot of time. Um, so, you know, having like a very basic form builder to generate NDAs alone was was a really good place to start for, for that client. Obviously, it would, it would vary depending on your business. But if you have more resources available, more time, you can look at creating several self-contracting tools. You know, Mike was talking about sort of a holistic, um, you know, like a, like a self-serve legal site where you go sort of a one-stop shop, like a, like a legal front door of where you get all your contracts. So developing a, a system in that regard would be a very valuable use of your time. Um, and, you know, this could be for, uh, you know, low value statements of work, agreements where you don't really accept many changes and would stick to the same template quite a lot. Um, but, you know, this can be very, very time consuming. So I think it's really just important to understand how much time, money, resource have you got to dedicate to this? And then um, what what sort of uh, model fits well to that? Perfect. Thank you, Alex. And uh, finally, Mark, did you want to bring us home? Yeah, yeah. And actually, I agree with everything <clears throat> Alex said. There is one stage that goes before that because often – it requires a plan and it requires a budget. Now, the other set of stakeholders that requires buy-in from is your your business users, the people making the requests. And as Alex has said, you know, you've got to bring them with you. You can't leave them behind and just tell them on Monday, you know, they can no longer come and see you. They're locked out of your office and they have to send a, fill out a form on the internet. That's not going to work. But the other part then is you need to get buy-in from your senior management. So some people are getting pushed from their senior management because they're looking for more efficiency. Some people are, you know, reading all the great stuff that's out there through all the really, you know, interesting people out there. But hopefully this pop by listening to this podcast as well. But um, <clears throat> you know, it's getting buy-in from your senior management. So if you think you want to change the way the legal department's going to work, then you, what you need to do is you need to explain to your senior management what you're going to do and what your plan is you know how much time are you going to need set their expectations in terms of money and time because fundamentally you know they are going to ask you what you've been doing and they're going to ask well the, the question that we've discussed earlier you know why should we do it why should i go and buy this piece of software the other um gotcha to be careful of is that if you go and talk to a software provider they will they won't talk about too much of that they'll just say well just buy my software it's fabulous and you know it's all going to be rosy um you know the software is the bit that comes last it comes last after engaging with your senior team to get you know the the, the buy-in and the, the the agreement on what you're going to do it comes after working with your 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 league your own team and the team who requests information off you you know to understand you know where 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 their pain points are and how you can help them out and then the net the bit after that then is the you know you've got the process and then you say well what technology do we need 
to do this. So, you know, technology, I feel, is the last piece in a way. You've, you should be a good way down the change management route before even by the, by, by the time you make a choice on that, that technology. Brilliant. Uh, thank you so much. And uh, really, thank you both uh, very much for your time today. Um, listeners and viewers, I'm sure, appreciated uh, your perspective and your experience on legal self-service. So thank you very much. Of course. Thanks, Mike. No worries. Thank you. Okay. I will do the bonus question, though, but I wanted to do it after the sign-off because we may not use it. And the bonus question is, which I'm, I'm actually really excited about this bonus question, and I shouldn't be, but <laughs> did we miss anything? What did we miss is my question. Did we miss anything in that chat? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Mark, what, what, what do you reckon? What we missed was that, and we started to, to get there, but, you know, lawyers often are faced with the choice of going to work for a law firm and, you know, that 10-year route to partnership and giving up your life and your family and everything else for those 10 years and maybe for the, ne- the next decade or two after that, or they go to move in-house. When they buy legal services, they want lawyers that understand their business. And there's surveys out there about buyers of legal services and, you know, they don't want just great lawyers. They want people who understand the business. But importantly, you know, the really important and interesting part of working as a corporate legal, a corporate lawyer in a corporation is that you can be much closer to the business. You can be much more than a, just a lawyer. You know, you're closely connected to the business strategy. You know, you've probably got sort of line into sort of the C-level and the board, if not, you know, sitting on that as well. So it's a real chance for lawyers to be much more than lawyers. And I think, you know, the the, the happy... Uh, GCs that I talk to are the ones who are deeply engaged in the business. You know, this business is, you know, going to be sold in two years' time or, you know, we we aim to open up a new part of the business in South America or we're going to start acquiring businesses over the next few years. You know, it's their part to be part of that business-making process, which is takes them from just being, uh, I guess, mere lawyers to, you know, being more rounded uh, business people, which, you know, they are really good at they they understand problems and it's a great place for them to get to so you just to be clear you're suggesting that um the legal self-service route is a way for lawyers to partly i guess demonstrate that be involved in the business of the company more than just the law of the company is that what you mean? Exactly, because it's very easy to be the hamster on the year, on the wheel, and the legal team are the guys who give us NDAs. They're the guys who who, who do the data protection piece for us. But once you can t- sort of take that piece off your plate, and once you start to say we're going to run a legal department as a business, and all those challenges and all those things that other business areas are doing, firstly, it shows that you understand process and you understand business and you understand challenges. And secondly, it gives you the chance to start to engage more fully in those conversations, not just as GC, but also bringing your team into those conversations, into that strategy. So where's a legal component? Doing the legal component, but actually maybe getting involved in other conversations where you can add value. I love it. I love it. I think that's a really great point. Um, Alex, did you have anything uh, else that you thought we missed or... Yeah, I mean, I, just, I wanted to touch on quickly, we talked about the history a little bit, but I think we could focus a bit on the future as well and where it can go. So we, mm. we worked with we worked with a, a global tech giant that, you know, going back to talking about having the resources to underpin this, I mean, you know, they, they had 
their own tech, millions of dollars worth of tech to underpin this button. And they, they started working on a, uh, a automated legal bot. So the idea is you have a browser extension, you type in your question of, you know, where do I get an NDA? Where do I, uh, you know, what are our data protection policies and that sort of, and it, it would bring up the, the relevant uh, FAQ doc or automation tool and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And it, it started off really, really well. It looked really great, but I think there was um, some reluctance maybe from um, some of the older members of the legal team, the more senior, um, to, to get that off the ground. And I think it was really because there was almost a perception that it, it got to the point where it could effectively replace legal team members, which is completely not the reason why it would be there. It, it, you know, It's really important to focus on why you would want to implement something like that. And it's not to you know, make it sort of replace a lawyer. It's doing to enhance that um, legal team member's uh, role. So you you can make sure that the stuff, the questions that they're getting day in day out, that's taken in taken an hour or two of their time that they got the same questions three weeks ago from somebody else. They're not focusing on those. They are focusing on the really important stuff um, that's driving the strategic goals of the business and the legal department. And all this quirky, weird, dystopian legal bot was trying to do was answer those <laughs> questions in an easier in an easier quicker way um without taking up too much of people's time so yeah i just think the whole you know overarching point was the future of this i think is really can be really really exciting and it seems uh, it can seem like it's trying to take work away from a legal department but really it's only making sure that you can focus on the right the right things and working in the right way brilliant i love it the future i can't believe we didn't have that as a question so i'm glad you brought it up that was <laughs> that was good um that's great Honestly, thank you, thank you both. I that was really uh, engaging and interesting. Uh, thank and thanks for making it earlier in your day. I appreciate it. No, no problem at all. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Right.